Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. A drink? Now just sit back and enjoy the show. I have lots of news to get to, so let's get right to it. Before I get to the trucking news, uh, I am broadcasting this kind of late because there's been a lot of news this week and my um, route has been kind of really hectic. Um, there have been severe weather going through the Midwest to um, upper central states, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and a tornado touched down in my hometown in central Wisconsin that went through my brother's farm, the homestead where I grew up, and it demolished and obliterated everything but the house. I'm not saying this to want, wanting a pity party, not whatsoever, but I would ask you to keep my brother, my sister-in-law, and my neighbors in your prayers for all of the de devastation. It went right from horizontally from east to west right across the main road that I grew up on in central Wisconsin. And it's a little bitty town in between Wausau and Stevens Point. So if you could, keep them in your prayers that everybody is okay. Thank God nobody got injured or died. Um, my brother came home from a doing he was at and my sister-in-law was closing the windows right before the tornado hit and they were able to make it into the basement. The house got minimal damage, but the barn is completely gone. It was an old barn, but still. And from what I understand, uh, lots and lots of trees are down. Power lines are down at this moment. It happened um, Friday evening, the 19th, and um, it's pretty bad. So if you would, Please keep them in your prayers. Now for the news. So sad to say this week's show is going to have a lot of bad news in it. There's been just a lot of crashes and everything going on this past week. So let's get started. A trucker was arrested following a triple fatal pileup, which I'm sure all of you have heard about. This happened off of 465 around Indianapolis. Indiana State Police say that they have arrested a truck driver for his role in an eight-vehicle chain reaction crash that claimed the life of, of a mother and her two and her set of twins. The crash happened around noon on Sunday, last week Sunday, July 14th. Authorities say that six cars, a truck pulling a mobile home and a semi-truck were all involved in a pileup in eastbound lanes of the interstate where traffic was slowed down for construction. But the driver's story conflicts with what police investigators are saying about the cause of the crash. Now, if I'm not mistaken, last year about the same time a crash happened on 465 
in that construction. But anyway, so it's kind of like deja vu. The truck driver, a 57-year-old Missouri-based semi-truck driver, Bruce Pollard, told police that he was eastbound on 465 when he was cut off by a white car that was not involved in the crash. Pollard said that the white car sped away, but that the cutoff forced him to crash into other vehicles. Indiana State Police, however, feel and investigators have said that they believe that speed was a factor in the crash. Well, of course, we all know that people love to go flying through construction zones. They said that Pollard failed to slow down for the traffic caused by the construction. And he crashed into several vehicles at, while he was driving at an unsafe speed. There's a news release from the Indiana State Police. And it states, Preliminary investigation revealed a semi-tractor trailer was eastbound on I-465 and ran into the back of a line of cars who were backed up traffic due to construction. The three deceased were all in one vehicle and were the first vehicle struck by the semi. After the initial impact, five other vehicles were struck. Investigators believe unsafe speed was a factor. The first car that was hit was carrying Alana Norman Kunz, 29, and her 18-month-old twin daughters. They all three perished in the crash. Seven other people were taken to the hospital for treatment of various injuries. Indiana State Police later announced that they placed Pollard under arrest on preliminary charges of three counts of reckless homicide and five counts of criminal reckless causing injury. Troopers say that their initial investigation uncovered that Pollard was allegedly driving well above the posted speed limit at the time of the collision. And this article will be in the show notes. It is graphic. I will let you know that. There is a video at the bottom from um, the Indiana Fire Department uh, Twitter page if you would like to look at that video. In other news, a trucker veers off the interstate and he goes off-roading. In New York, a flatbedder was caught on a motorist dash cam, suddenly leaving the interstate and plowing through the ditch into a road sign. The YouTube was reportedly captured on eastbound I-84 in New York on July 15, 2019. In the dash cam clip, you could see the semi-truck suddenly swerving off the interstate onto the right shoulder crashing into a sign before coming to a stop. In the next clip, it appears that another semi-truck driver is pulling off to check on the crash driver. It isn't clear why the truck driver swerved off the roadway, but you can also see in the video below. That's in this article. Again, that will be in the show notes. Now, in FMCSA bans commercial motor vehicle drivers convicted of human trafficking for life. The FMCNA, FMCSA excuse me, announced a final rule on July 16th that will permanently ban a person from operating a commercial motor vehicle for life if they are found guilty of human trafficking. Well, it's about damn time. The FMCSA announced that final rule on July 16th. According to a news release from them, quote, this new rule will prohibit an individual from operating a CMV for life. If that individual uses a CMV in committing a felony involving a severe form of human trafficking, 
The new rule revises the list of offenses permanently disqualifying individuals from operating a CMV for which a commercial driver's license or a commercial learner's permit is required, end quote. Lawmakers defined, quote, a severe form of human trafficking, end quote, as, quote, sex trafficking in which commercial sex acts is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the person induced to perform such act has not attained 18 years of age, end quote. It may also refer to, quote, the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor or services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of subjugation to involuntary servitude, peonage, debt bondage, or slavery, end quote. The FMCSA says that the lifetime ban follows President Trump's signing of the, quote, No Human Trafficking on Our Roads Act, end quote. Quote, the commercial motor vehicle industry is uniquely posi- positioned to help detect and report human trafficking, and thankfully professional driver inf- efforts often bring an end to these tragic situations. Sadly, however, some human trafficking activities are facilitated by the use of commercial trucks or buses, said FMCSA Administrator Raymond Martinez. Quote, by enforcing a lifetime ban on any CMV driver convicted of severe human trafficking, we aim to deliver a strong message and effective deterrent to this abhorrent behavior. If a commercial driver is convicted of using their commercial vehicle, Related to human trafficking, that person will never be driving interstate commercial vehicles again. End quote. Like, uh, as I mentioned, about frickin' time. This episode of Julia's Truck and Cafe is brought to you by My Patriot Supply. As truck drivers, we all know what it's like to be at a shipper's or receiver's and have to be, and have to wait, excuse me, to be loaded for hours on end. Am I right? Now, especially in this bad weather with these turn, this tornado breakout and stuff, they're without power. All of the power lines are down in my hometown, in that area along that road. Everybody is without power. This way, at least they would have food. They'd be able to, you know, warm up some water or uh, on a fire or anything like that. And at least you having Patriot Supply, they would at least have some food. Now, Patriot Supply is not what you may be thinking. This is emergency food. They have food kits that are good up to 25 years. They come in a slimline plastic tote that you can easily store in your pantry or in your side box. I could speak from experience after living through Hurricane Katrina in my mobile home. We went without power for 10 days, my mother, my son, and I. And if it weren't for the MREs that were flown into us, we wouldn't have had any food. Four 60-foot pine trees broke in half during that storm and landed across my driveway and landlocked me in. So I couldn't even get out to get any food. And they, at that time, there were four-mile gas lines. If I knew then what I know now about my Patriot Supply, I would have definitely had some of that food stockpiled in my pantry. Now, for a limited time, you could get a one-week supply of food in a handy and neat-looking ammo can for just $39. And they even offer gluten-free food for just under $100. So 
all you have to do is go to my website, juliastruckatcafe.com, and click on the emergency food supply tab. Scroll down to any of the images, click on the image, it'll take you directly to the website for more information. Stay prepared. Stay prepared for anything. Tornadoes, hurricanes, power outages. We need to stay prepared. I cannot stress this enough. You need to at least have a week's supply of food, breakfast, lunch, and dinners for $39. Heck, I blow that just sitting in a truck stop, maybe on pizza and, and Cokes or something, which I'm trying to cut down on. But you know, $39 is nothing for a week's supply of food. We all know this. When it's $20 at any time we sit down at a restaurant. Keep your peace of mind. You insure your home, your property, your car, life insurance. What about food insurance? Stay prepared for anything. Go to juliastruckatcafe.com. Click on the emergency food supply tab and order yours today. Let's get back to the news. In Indiana... Police are involved in a shooting reported at a truck stop. Indiana State Police say that truck stop is now secure following an officer-involved shooting. This happened on Tuesday, July 16th. The shooting was reported around noon at the Love's Travel Center off of 65 in Memphis, Indiana. Troopers say that one male has been taken to the hospital with unknown injuries following a police-involved shooting in the parking lot. Police say that they were searching for a missing or possibly suicidal person at the truck stop and that person is believed to have fired a gun first and was then shot by police. No one else was hurt according to police. Troopers say that the scene has been secured and that this is a developing and ongoing story. Again all of these stories and articles will be in the show notes. I'm also providing a link in the description so when you click on the title of the episode, either on Facebook or on the website, click on the title, you'll see the description, then all you have to do is click on the link to be able to read the articles for yourself in the show notes. A teen randomly chose a truck driver that she stabbed with a butcher knife. What is this world coming to? Good Lord. A Wisconsin woman has been charged with homicide after she allegedly attacked a truck driver at a gas station on Monday, July 15th in Mukwanago, Wisconsin. Sounds like it's on the Indian Reservation, but I'm not 100% sure. Police say that a 59-year-old Illinois resident had been driving a truck for Ace Hardware shortly before the stabbing occurred. As he was waiting for items to be unloaded from his truck, the unidentified man went to the North Star Shell gas station for a drink. That was when 18-year-old Ashlyn Wizerkowski, that's a Polish name, allegedly emerged from where she had been hiding in an aisle in the gas station and stabbed the man in the chest with a 12-inch butcher knife without saying a word. Wizerkowski reportedly stabbed the truck driver a second time, this time in his hand. The truck driver said that he kicked it, Wizerkowski, to get away and eventually escaped it to the parking lot. When officers arrived on the scene, they found Wojciechowski still clutching the knife and her phone. She was placed under arrest and is now facing one attempted first-degree intentional homicide charge. She is being held on $750,000 bond. The truck driver was taken to the hospital for treatment of the stab wounds. A stab to his chest reportedly resulted in a four-inch deep wound. 
McGuanago police said that the victim and Wurzkowski did not know one another and were not involved in any argument before the stabbing. Well, I guess not. If he went inside to get a soda and she was crouched down in the aisle. Duh. Investigators believe that the truck driver was selected at random. Wurzkowski later told police that her suicidal thoughts had turned homicidal and she had been planning on killing a woman because she thought it would be easier. The incident still remains under investigation. Uh, yeah, okay. In Indiana, troopers ticketed 43 drivers during a three-hour detail by hiding in a semi-truck. Indiana State Police say that they were able to ticket dozens of drivers on Tuesday, July 16th, thanks to a trooper perched in a semi-truck who was able to spot violations that normally go unnoticed by officers and cruisers. Let's see, they normally go by unnoticed by officers and cruisers. Hmm, I was on my way out of Reno over to, let's see, where the heck was I going? Missouri, I think, or something like that. I only saw two officers or cars in 1,200 miles. Only two. All the way over here from Tennessee. I'm in Oklahoma now. Unloaded in Tennessee, reloaded, and came over here to Oklahoma. Two officers in vehicles. That's it. Hmm. Wonder why they go unnoticed. Where the hell are the cops? Because I, have, I guess because after that crash on 465, oh, now you're going to start doing your job? Really? Let's get back to the, sorry, let's, I digress. Let's get back to the article. On Tuesday, July 16th, Indiana Trooper conducted a major trooper in a truck detail on I-70 and I-465 in Indianapolis, according to the Indianapolis Star. During that detail, Indiana State Police Lieutenant Tyler Utterbach rode in a semi-truck dubbed a ghost truck looking for a dangerous driving behaviors like texting and then relaying the necessary information to other troopers in marked police vehicles who could then pull over the driver. During the three-hour detail, troopers issued 43 citations and added an, an additional 40 warnings. Hmm, that'll last them for about a month or so before they need their quota filled again. And don't tell me they don't have a quota either. I digress again, sorry. Trooper John Perrine warned Indianapolis drivers, Every time you see a semi-truck, I want you to assume there's an Indiana State Trooper sitting in the passenger seat. I'm like, really? Prepared to call you out if you're driving aggressively. Sorry, my page went wonky. You can see this video live on Facebook. Uh, as a, a reporter wrote along on the detail, looked at it below. Troopers say that they have many more trooper in a truck details planned. Okay, big whoopty deal. That's, you know, once a month, once in a few months. That's the most they pulled over and I don't know how long. You never see them on the highways anymore. All the stuff that I, all the BS that I see out on the interstate, when you need to call somebody in, oh, okay, well, I'll forward this along or you can't get a hold of the company, or you have to go through 15 different ways a Sunday to report a driver to their safety department. Yeah, I tried that with Creek Carriers and J.B. Hunt a couple of times for the crap that their drivers are doing out here. And yes, I am calling out companies. Not picking on them, just stating fact. You know, I had to go through hell at half acre in order to get a hold of their safety department and still couldn't do it. It took me over 45 minutes 
to get a hold of their safety department to turn them in. I'm like, really? This is what it's coming to? About makes you fed up anymore. Sorry, I'm on a rant this week. A bill that's being introduced would require automatic emergency braking systems in all new semis. Lawmakers joined with members of safety advocate group made up of family members who lost loved ones in truck crashes to announce the new bill along with speed limiters. Yeah, we do automatically have auto braking systems. It's called pulling the damn red knob out, locking them down. Lawmakers have introduced a bill that would require all new commercial vehicles to come equipped with an automatic emergency braking systems. That's a new radar anti-collision crap they're talking about. On Tuesday, July 16th, Representatives Jesus Garcia, Hank Johnson, and Matt Cartwright introduced the Safe Roads Act of 2019. This also has a speed limiters of 65 mile an hour in it, also known as HR 3773. The bill would, quote, direct the Secretary of Transportation to prescribe a motor vehicle safety standard requiring new commercial motor vehicles to be equipped with an automatic emergency braking system to require automatic emergency braking installed in commercial motor vehicles to be used while in operation and for other purposes. The bill was introduced as members of Truck Safety Coalition descended on Washington on Tuesday to push lawmakers for increased safety regulations on commercial vehicles. The Truck Safety Coalition is made up in part of family members who lost loved ones in commercial vehicle crashes. Tragically, the simple installation of automatic braking systems on all commercial motor vehicles, a $500 safety feature, might have prevented these deaths and countless others across the country, said Representative Johnson. Quote, America's roads and highways should be safe for all drivers, taking full advantage of technologies that are available and proven to anticipate and prevent crashes crashes will save lives. Well, Representative Johnson, I got something to say about that, sir. What about texting in cars? What about cars you having to use mandatory hands-free or wireless headsets like us truck drivers have to do? When are you going to start cracking down on the cars? Y'all are cracking down on doggone trucks all the time. The semi-trucks are always the ones to blame. What about the cars doing stupid crap out here? Johnson attempted to introduce similar legislation in 2015 without success. Also at the behest of the Truck Safety Coalition, Representative Garza and Cartwright introduced the Insurance Act, which if passed would ensure minimum insurance requirements for motor carriers are periodically adjusted to the inflation rate of medical costs as determined by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The Truck Safety Coalition also advocates for speed limiters along with side and front underride guards. So yeah, so cars, but if they stop cars from doing stupid crap, they wouldn't need all this shit on trucks. So yeah, they're gonna, they'll, the, the Trucker Safety Coalition is gonna be getting um, a uh, feedback from me, I'll guarantee it, because I'm about tired of the bullshit. And in other news, trucker robbed by three suspects who fled into the woods. Internet's acting slow today to bring up these articles, so I apologize for the dead time. In North Carolina, police are searching for three suspects who robbed a truck driver at a truck stop this morning. 
This, this occurred on Wednesday, July 17th in LeBain, North Carolina. Police say that three suspects robbed a truck driver at the Petro truck stop located on Buckhorn Road. I know right where that is. The unnamed truck driver was able to puncture the tire of the suspect's vehicle after he was robbed, so the three suspects all fled into a nearby wooded area. It isn't clear how much money the suspect stole from the truck driver. A nearby school was placed on soft lockdown as a precaution. Excuse me. The Orange County Sheriff's Office is assisting the Mabain Police Department in their search for the suspects. They're described as three males all in their 20s. One of the suspects was wearing a brown shirt. That's not much to go by. The incident is still being under, is still under investigation. Oh, and this is a good one. You'd love this one. Police accuse a trucker of watching pornography moments before the deadly crash. Authorities have accused a Minnesota truck truck driver, I, Ashley, a CDL Life. You really know. You really need to to do better work on your typing here. Authorities have accused a Minnesota trucking driver. Really? Authorities have accused, let's try this again. Authorities have accused a Minnesota truck driver of watching pornography on his phone just minutes before causing a crash that killed a highway worker. And this happened last year. Last week, 47-year-old truck driver Tate Doom was charged with one count of criminal vehicular homicide and one count of criminal vehicular operation causing bodily harm. Hmm, this what I didn't hear but nothing about this last year when it actually happened. The charges were issued in connection with the death of 59-year-old highway worker Vernon Hedquist. The crash occurred in a construction zone on I-94 in Rogers, Minnesota back in 2018 in October. Police say that Doom rear-ended a pickup truck that was with an attached trailer traveling east on the interstate causing the trailer to detach and hit Hedquist. <coughs> Hedquist died at the scene. Another worker was also injured by the debris from the crash. Doom told police that he'd been traveling at 50 miles an hour prior to the crash, but police say that Minnesota Department of Transportation footage showed that Doom was driving at 72 miles an hour at the time of the crash. Well, you lying piece of work. Further, police say that several video files have been deleted from Doom's phone, which have been downloaded from the website Pornhub. The videos had been downloaded about a half an hour before the crash occurred. Investigators were also able to tell that Doom had been playing the videos starting at 1.40 p.m. The last of the videos began playing at 2.07 p.m. while the crash happened two minutes later at 2.09. Doom denied using either of his two phones since a work-related stop in Big Lake. Well, of course he's going to freaking deny it. You expect him to admit to be watching porn and causing a crash on the interstate? Come on, people. How dumb are you? Sorry, I'm on a roll this week. And in other news, the PA Turnpike is to increase tolls for the 12th straight year. Tolls on the Pennsylvania Turnpike are going up yet again, starting in early 2020. July 16th. The Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission approved a 6% toll increase for 2020 for both Easy Pass and Cash users. The toll increase is to set is set to go into effect in most locations on July 5th, 2020, in all but three locations. At three cashless toll facilities, the toll will go into effect in October of 2019. These three locations are located at the PA Turnpike Beaver Valley Expressway. 
Turnpike 66 Greensburg Bypass and the Gateway Tolling Point Milepost 2 near Ohio on I-76. The Turnpike Commission says that most common Class 5 tractor-trailer toll will increase from $370 to $4 for Easy Pass and from $1630 to $1730 for cash. This will mark the 12th consecutive year that the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission has elected to increase tolls. The toll increases have been needed to fund both the infrastructure improvements and to fulfill a legal funding obligation to Pennsylvania DOT. Pennsylvania Turnpike CEO Mark Compton says that since 2009, the Turnpike Commission has paid out over $6.6 billion in tollback funding to Pennsylvania DOT. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. Quote, since 2007, the commission has increased tolls annually to maintain its aging roads and make good on a funding application required by two state laws, Act 44 of 2007 and Act 89 of 2013, end quote, said Compton. Quote, to do, due to this onerous funding requirement, nearly half of the PA Turnpike's Fiscal year 2020 toll revenue will go to paid debit service alone. Anticipated toll revenue is estimated at $1.4 billion for the fiscal year. Yeah, that's right, billion with a B. And our debt service payments are roughly $700 million for the year. In 2018, the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association, otherwise known as OOIDA, filed suit against the Pennsylvania Turnpike Commission for excessive toll increases, which they say ham hampered interstate commerce. The suit was dismissed in April 4, 2019 in U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Pennsylvania. OIDA is working on an appeal. An oversized load driver is arrested after troopers discovered a missing wheel assembly. We're not talking just the hub. We're talking the hub, the rim, and the tire are gone. And it's chained up with a chain around the frame. The axle is chained up with a chain, logging chain around the frame. New Hampshire State Police say that they arrested a truck driver who they were providing an escort for after discovering multiple violations. <laughs> oh, God, you think? On Wednesday, July 17th, 42-year-old truck driver Jan Joseph Kraut was arrested for unsworn falsification and tampering with public records after attempting to transport a mobile home. Here's how New Hampshire State Police described the events leading to the arrest. I quote, On July 17th at approximately 9.03 a.m., members of the New Hampshire State Police were requested by Alpine Modular Transport LLC of Mid Middlebury, Pennsylvania, to escort two oversized modular homes from Seabrook, New Hampshire, to New Hampshire and Main State Line in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. While transporting the two loads, one of the tractor-trailer units sustained a flat tire on the trailer and had to pull over at the Hampton Tolls to replace it. As Lieutenant Michael Comerford of New Hampshire State Police, Trooper D and Troop D and Staff Sergeant William Burke of New Hampshire State Police, Troop D, were guiding the second tractor-trailer unit into the parking lot of the tolls, they observed that one of the axles was missing a wheel assembly on the trailer of the mod modular home. The driver of the tractor-trailer unit was identified as Jan Joseph Kraut, age 42, of Penns Creek, Pennsylvania. Troopers learned that Mr. Kraut had lost the wheel assembly earlier that morning in Massachusetts, and that Mr. Kraut was of the belief that he only needed four axles on the trailer to transport the oversized load. Upon reviewing the vehicle's oversized load permit, troopers were able to determine that the vehicle was required to have all five axles. <laughs> 
prior to leaving the staging area in Seabrook, Mr. Kraut had completed the required oversight permit load checks list and signed the form indicating that there were no safety issues that precluded him from moving the load. Mr. Kraut provided the form to the troopers prior to beginning the escort, so he falsified a documentation. Mr. Crow was subsequently arrested for unsworn falsification and tampering with public records. He was transported to the Hampton Police Department for processing and ordered to appear in court on August 22nd. Upon his release, Mr. Crow was taken back to his tractor trailer where he was placed out of service. So not only was he arrested, he was returned to the unit and then placed out of service. Uh, and he had a falsified logbook. Additionally, the trailer hauling the module home was placed out of service until the axle assembly was replaced. Ah, that's pretty funny. I'm sorry, but that's, that's, that's pretty funny. I'm like, the crap that they tried to get away with. Now here's another good laugh. Workers find a naked man empty bottles in a Pepsi trailer. Workers at an Oklahoma Pepsi plant were treated to an unusual sight when they discovered a naked man in a trailer parked overnight at the facility. The man was discovered in the morning on July 16th at the Pepsi bottling plant in Lockton, Oklahoma. Workers say that they noticed that the trailer seal was broken on a trailer brought in from Tulsa and parked overnight at the facility. When the workers opened the trailer, they allegedly found a naked man later identified as Jason Hamill laying in the trailer. They also discovered numerous empty bottles of soda. The man was later arrested for third-degree burglary after he was taken to the hospital for evaluation. He think he got a little thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> and an SUV going the wrong way causes a deadly crash that leaves the semi truck burnt and hanging off a bridge. But the, luckily, the truck driver of the FedEx truck is okay. Oklahoma police say that a wrong way motorist was to blame for a fatal crash last night on the Turner Turnpike. And this happened on Thursday, July 18th in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, near area Route 66 and I-44 merge. Authorities say that an SUV driver was traveling the wrong way on Route 66 and crashed into the FedEx freight truck. The SUV driver did not survive the crash. Witnesses said that the truck driver managed to jump to safety before his truck caught fire. The truck driver was taken to the hospital, but is expected to be okay. The crash left the truck burning and partially hanging off an overpass, resulted in lengthy road closures. As of Friday morning, one lane of eastbound I-44 remained closed for cleanup. This crash remains under investigation. As I mentioned in last week's show, how many more people have to die? I mean, that's a, to me, that's a genuine question. How many more people have to die out here before people slow the F down? Think about it. Do you want your family members, your wife, your sister, your father, your brother, you have to go to a funeral because of having a, somebody having a freaking lead foot? Let's slow the hell down. And in other news, a boss turns his own truck driver in for allegedly hit and run. After he saw it on Facebook. A week after a fatal crash, 
a truck driver was arrested because of the Facebook video. Again, an Oklahoma trucking company called the police to turn in their own truck driver for an alleged run that claimed the life of a motorcyclist after recognizing his truck in a video clip that was posted on Facebook by the police. On Thursday, July 18th, Seminole Police Department arrested 52-year-old truck driver Wesley White and charged him with felony counts of first-degree manslaughter, leaving the scene of a fatality collision and leaving the scene of a serious injury, injury collision. The charges are connected in an incident that occurred around 9.20 p.m. on July 11th, that was last week on State Highway 9 in Seminole, Oklahoma. Police say that a semi-truck struck a couple on a motorcycle while making a U-turn. Motorcyclist Mike Hatton died in the crash and his wife Haley was taken to the hospital in critical condition. Because the truck driver didn't stay at the scene, police released a video on their Facebook page hoping to identify the trucking company and find the driver. From the police department, and I quote, Using video from the canvas, the Seminole police released a crime commercial on their Facebook page which led to the Oklahoma City based trucking firm contacting the police department. Currently Seminole police detectives and Oklahoma Highway Patrol traffic homicide investigators are processing the vehicle and conducting interviews. After being contacted by the company police drove to the Western Flyer Trucking Company headquarters in Oklahoma City and arrested White. For more information, you can see the report that's in this article, which will be in the show notes. So, the company was Western Flyer. A bill to toughen up CDL requirements after a crash that claimed motorist lives took them long enough. The governor of Massachusetts has introduced a bill that would signify the increase the requirements for obtaining and keeping a commercial driver's license in the wake of a high-profile crash that claimed the lives of several members of a motorcycle club. Try like seven members of a motorcycle club. <sighs> On Friday, July 19th, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker introduced a new bill called, quote, an act to promote commercial driver safety, end quote. The bill's focus is on increasing the requirements to obtain and maintain a CDL in the state of Massachusetts. Here are the measures that Baker proposes. One, CDL applicants must have a history of good driving and are ineligible for a CDL if they have been suspended or disqualified for driving in the past three years. I thought that was a gimme already. Two, CDL holders who commit two serious traffic violations in a three-year period would face an increase in minimum suspension time from 60 days to 120 days. There again, I thought it was a year. Three, CDL holders who commit three serious traffic violations in a three-year period would face an increase in minimum suspension time from 120 days to 240 days. (sighs) Really? Wow. You know, that's what? 120 days is four months. It would go to six, something like that. Um, Eight months. Eight months, my bad. My brain ain't working. Uh, four, CDL holders would re- be required to inform both employers and the Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles the next day if they are convicted of violating any state or local motor vehicle traffic law. Failing to do so would result in a penalty. Five, employers who hire CDL drivers would be required to sign up for a state driver verification system, which... Ver- 
provides automatic notification to employers if an employee's driver's license status changes. Baker's proposed law is in reaction to crash that happened last month in Randolph, New Hampshire, when 23-year-old Voldem, let's see, Voldem Demeyer Zulkowski uh, collided with a group of motorcyclists, killing seven of them. Officials in Connecticut have warned Massachusetts Registry of Motor Vehicles on one, more than one occasion about alcohol offenses that should have resulted in the state revoking Zukovsky's CDL, but the officials failed to act on those warnings. The bill is now in the hands of the state legislature for consideration. What happened to the federal? You know, why are states taking it over? What about federal guidelines? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. And in other news, road rage shootings are getting so bad in one city that police have formed a task force. Why do we have to wait for it to get that bad? Citing an increase in gun violence on the city's roadways, Memphis police are teaming up with Tennessee troopers for a major enforcement operation. Now there again, about time. Law enforcement officials announced Operation Grizzly Bear 2019. Oh, forehead slap. On Wednesday, July 17th, Memphis Mayor Jim Strickland described the operation as an all-hands-on-deck effort. Oh, my God. Operation Grizzly Bear will be conducted by the Memphis Police Department, Shelby County Sheriff's Office, and the Tennessee Highway Patrol. 30 extra state troopers have been brought in specifically for Operation Grizzly Bear. The six-week enforcement will... It's only six weeks. Six weeks! What are you going to do in six weeks? Will involve increased patrols on Memphis roadways with the intent on cutting down on highway shootings. Okay, they're going to behave themselves for six weeks. And then after that's done, it's going to go right back up again. Oh my God. Police say that it'll be focusing particularly on I-240 and Highway 385. It will be used both marked and unmarked vehicles. Officers say that they will also be on the lookout for aggressive driving and other crime. After the six-week period, the involved agencies will evaluate the results to determine how to proceed. Memphis police say that they have already been 32 roadway shootings in the city in 2019, and most of them were caused by road rage. Yeah, frickin' think. And troopers cited way more car drivers during that aggressive driving blitz there again, all week. I haven't seen no dr troopers out doing that aggressive driving blitz. You know, I ain't seen nothing. And traveled through Missouri and down to Mississippi and everything. I ain't seen nothing. During a recent aggressive driving enforcement campaign targeting both commercial and passenger vehicle drivers, Michigan State Police issued significantly more citations to, to car drivers and truckers. Between June 3rd and the 14th, Michigan State Police patrolled I-94 between Jackson and Taylor as part of the Ticketing Aggressive Cars and Trucks TACT campaign, looking for drivers engaged in aggressive or dangerous behaviors like speeding, uh, tailgating, unsafe lane changes, fail to yield the right of way. Troopers say that the purpose of the campaign is to increase safe driving around commercial vehicles and to cut down on crashes. During the enforcement campaign, troopers and participating law enforcement officers made 1,431 citations to commercial drivers during an, and issued a total of 1,053 citations. Oh, let me back up that a second. I didn't say that right. I'm, I skipped something. 
During the enforcement campaign, troopers and participating law enforcement officers made 1,431 traffic stops. I correct, please let me correct that. And issued a total of 1,053 citations. During those traffic stops, troopers issued 878 citations to passenger vehicle drivers and issued 175 citations to commercial vehicle drivers. Okay, my bad. I stand corrected on that. Excuse me, my nose is itching like crazy. I know, TMI. Troopers say that they selected the I-94 corridor due to an increase in commercial vehicle crashes in the area. Quote, Crashes involving commercial vehicles have increased 15% in the past five years. <gasps> Between 2014 and 2018, 86 people were either killed or seriously injured while traveling on I-94 in Jackson, Washtenaw, and Wayne counties, which is why the corridor was selected for additional enforcement. Okay. Yeah, okay. How come you don't enforce it all the damn time? You know it? So, and our top story is of how a trucker shares a touching tale of how he helped an old-timer out here keep trucking. CDL Life recently received a heads-up from a reader about a, a good interaction between two flatbedders that was shared in a Facebook post. Brandon Wingler shared a Facebook post about his reaction with an old driver who needed a hand in Pennsylvania on July 16th. He wrote, an old driver knocked on the door. He was at least 70. He asked, would you care to tarp this for me? I could give you $20. Brandon told him to keep his money and just give me $20 worth of stories and trucking advice. He said, keep trucking, old timer. I wish more people out there were like Brandon. Um... Nicholas says, I don't know you, sir, but you are a hell of a man. Thank you for what you did, and stay safe. Charles says, time with him was worth more than the $20, right? Gary says, love it. You can learn more than, cannot learn more than from a veteran truck driver. Tracy says, don't know ya, and forgive me if I'm out of line, but I seen this on Trucker's Wall of Shame page and had to hop up on your personal page to tell you. Thank you for helping this gentleman out. Good deeds like this is what our industry needs more of and less bickering and complaining. You're a good human and proud to call you a fellow driver. Stay truck, safe trucking wishes to you and keep being the great person you are. Thank you so much, Brandon, from Julia's Trucking Cafe. This is what trucking is all about. This is what I do out here for 30 years. Hat tip to you, Brandon Wingler, and you are our trucking highway hero for the month of July. Thank you so much for helping us out. So I want to greatly, greatly say I appreciate all of you who tune in each and every week to listen to me banter on the cafe. I know I've been lately I've been putting in a lot of my own editorials per the each article. But I mean, you know, after 30 years of being out here, it's getting, you know, pretty pathetic. But if you're new to the cafe and you would like to check us out on a, a just the podcast and you don't want to keep coming to the website all the time, at the bottom of every episode in the description, I have links that I listed to the show notes, to every place that I am on the internet, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, my Twitter handle, 
um, all the different podcast directories that I'm listed in, iHeart, iTunes, and Spotify, Spreaker, many more. Don't forget to like us on Facebook under Julia's Truck and Cafe. And please join our discussion group at Julia's Truck and Cafe Regulars. On the website under the cafe menu, I share recipes, videos, and a page of stupid stuff that drivers do. If you uh, enjoy my show and you would like to become a sponsor to my show, there's also a link to uh, my Patreon and also PayPal me. It does cost me uh, a lot every month to produce this show. And anything that anyone would be able to help out and become a sponsor, you would get kudos on every show who sponsored has sponsored me, I would greatly appreciate it. I would ask that you subscribe to our email list and I'll send you the show notes right to your inbox. This way you don't got to keep coming back to the website, which I'm glad you do, but you know, just saves you time and you could see it all like in a scrolling email. In the future, I'll have new things coming out. And if you're on the email list, you'll have priority in getting those new things that are in the works. Like if I have any specials in the cafe store, please check out that. Please check out the page, Stupid Shit That Drivers Do. And the recipe is under cooking in your truck. Don't forget to leave a comment at the bottom of any episode. Or if you have, uh, would like to email me and ask a question or any ideas for a new show, I read each and every comment and each and every email. My email is info at juliastruckatcafe.com. Um, if you have any ideas, please feel free to email me. Please always use your headlights. Always use your turn signals. While you're, and use your wipers in adverse weather, please use your headlights in adverse weather. I want to thank each of you for making the show a success. We have thousands of followers on Facebook and Twitter. And our YouTube channel is growing. Julia's Truck and Cafe. Just do a search for it on YouTube. And um, it's growing week by week. So if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to do all this. I really want to keep drivers aware of what is going on. Whether it's adverse weather. Whether it's, you know, please stay safe out here. um, Anything like that. So thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you continue to listen each and every week. Please keep the shiny side up. And until next week, oh, and one, and P.S., thank you so much for understanding that I can't always get the show out right each and every, you know, each and every Sunday that I am running late. I greatly appreciate that. So until next time, please keep the shiny side up and stay safe out here. Have a blessed week. Don't you